Hello and welcome to this episode of I Don't Know Jack About Parenting, where today I'm going to be talking about seven strategies to build trust with your children. So the big question is this, how are parents like us, who don't have a manual, who are doing the best we can, who feel as though we aren't enough, how are we going to raise healthy, happy children who we are proud of and still keep our sanity in that process? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Ryan Roy, and welcome to I Don't Know Jack About Parenting, a podcast for parents who are being real with themselves. Hello, and welcome back to this episode of I Don't Know Jack About Parenting, where today I'm going to be talking about the seven strategies to build trust with your children. Uh, so I always like to start off of, you know, what was my thought process in doing this particular episode? And trust is important. And there's a number of things that have happened in my child's life in recent weeks. One of the recent episodes is he had uh, a Pokemon card stolen from him. And he has now lost trust in that particular person who stole it from him. And then having the movie Cars on in the background because I have a 19-month-old who absolutely loves Cars at this point. He was, he's been watching Cars and there's a point in the movie uh, where the main character Lightning McQueen has this, for lack of a better term, love interest in this other Porsche car, uh, Sally. And when he comes to the town and he destroys their town on accident and has to rebuild the road in the town, uh, he is a very selfish individual. He's a young rookie car who only thinks of himself. And it's quite evident as he's in this town, all he wants to do is get away and go to his race and they won't let him leave until he fixes the road. Uh, so most of the town... Uh, for lack of a better term, doesn't necessarily like him and he's very selfish. And there's a point in the movie, a twist, where he's talking to Sally and he thanks her for something. And she goes, what did you say? Because like, he's always so selfish. And she kind of gets a hint like, oh, maybe he's softening up. Fast forward to the next day or the next scene in the movie and he's gassing up and they won't allow him enough gas to leave the town. Like if he tries to get away, he's going to run out of gas and he has to come back and finish his punishment, if you would. And Sally comes strolling around and she says, hey, fill him up. You know, I'm going to go for a drive. And they're like, you're not, you don't think he's going to try to run away? And she goes, no, I trust him. In the look on his face in this movie, and it's no different than human psychology. That's how, why they build these into these cartoons and into these movies. His heart softened, and he is filled up, and he looked to the left where he could go take off, and everybody's in anticipation that he's going to go take off. And she just says, hey, aren't you coming for a drive? And he turns to her, and he goes off because she trusts him. So I think it's really important for children to learn how to trust, but they must trust you first as parents. And it's not easy. It's 
can, and, and we're going to get into it. So I'm going to just hit number one strategy that there's a little article I'm reading, but all of these things are super important. And, and then I'll end with a story of my son and where he lacks trust with this person and the dialogue we had around it. So strategy number one is literally, it's real simple. I always say this, but not easy to do. That's how I start my book, by the way. Uh, uh, Be the dad you wish you had. Uh, the book, 40 Lessons, 40 Powerful Lessons, Becoming a Powerful Dad. Um, it, it's just that. Everything in that book is really simple but not necessarily easy to do. And so these are all simple. These seven lessons are simple, but not always easy to do. So just bring an awareness to yourself. So number one is simple. It's practice what you preach. Uh, building trust with your child is similar to leadership. If a leader does the right thing, the people he or she is leading will follow. If you tell your child to eat vegetables and you don't eat them yourself, then you are sending the wrong message. Build the bond between you and your child by practicing what you preach. Strategy number two, uh, depending on your age and listening to this, there's an old school thought that children are meant to be uh, spoken to and not heard from or something crazy like that. But number two is learn to listen. Most adults do not develop good listening skills when they're talking to their own kids. This is wrong. You should always listen to what your child has to say for you to gain his or her trust. Do not use judgmental statements or come to the discussion with your own agenda. By knowing what you are listening, by knowing that you are listening, your child will feel more comfortable talking to you more openly about his or her life. So often uh, when my seven and a half year old is going through something, I say, hey, just talk to me. And I just listen. And I listen till he's done. And sometimes when he thinks he's done, I'll say, is there anything else you wanna tell me? And obviously in this process, I'm thinking to myself, how can I help him? Oh, I could interject here, but I don't have the entire story yet. So I can't just talk over him. I need to listen to him to hear his challenges. And sometimes kids don't know how to express what's going on. So you have to ask multiple ways or keep digging for clues because it's, it's not that simple. Um, there's a challenge at the school right now. There's points awarded for various things. And on a Facebook page, there's some parents not understanding how this works in the classroom. So you get a whole bunch of information. The, the first thing I do instead of listening to a bunch of seven and eight year olds is I would go to the teacher to understand. But obviously that's not the way the real world works anymore. Everybody goes to Facebook and says, well, my seven year old said this and my seven and a half year old said that and my eight year old said this. So the teacher must be wrong. Like these, these seven and eight year olds obviously have a high understanding about the way the world works in the classroom and the psychology of why the teachers are doing what they're doing. Uh, so why go to the teacher? Sorry, there's a little sarcasm there. Um, <clears throat> so I, after reached out to the teacher, I just to get clarity from my son's perspective, I said, hey, how does this work? And he answered the question. And I said, well, so let me get this straight. This is how it works. And he's like, yeah. 
So, okay. Now, I take what he says with a grain of salt, very simply. Why? I listen to him. I read a whole bunch of stuff on Facebook about what went down. And then later on, I talked to the teacher. And I said, oh, I can understand how a seven-year-old would think that way. However, that's not the way it goes in the classroom. So learn to listen to your kids, but learn with an ear knowing that they don't have all the knowledge or the ability to always share all the details because at this point they're not detail-oriented, depending on their age. Even teenagers, they're crazy. Strategy number three, tell the truth. Listen, telling your child the truth from the very beginning will result in a strong bond and, of course... Trust comes along with that. As much as possible, deal with your child or children on an honest level. For example, if he or she asks if an injection from a doctor will hurt, tell the truth in the most age-appropriate way. So I remember telling my son when he was getting his shots and he could understand finally, I said, Liz, what's going to happen today? is gonna hurt for uh, just a brief second. You may be a little bit sore for a day or two, but have you been sick? And he's like, yeah. I said, and when you were sick, how long were you sick? He's like, days. I said, so this little bit of pain now is preventing you from getting sick over and over and, and feeling icky for days. So, it, you know, I know we're doing this so that you don't have to have that. And that made sense to him. And then when it got done, I said, did it hurt as much as you thought? He said, no, but I didn't like it. I said, I didn't like it either. I don't like to see you in pain. However, I also don't like seeing you sick. And in that, he was like, I said, do you like being sick? He said, no. I said, does it still hurt? He says, a little. And a couple days later, when it was completely gone, I said, the chances of you getting sick, can't say that you're not going to get sick, are much less. And that means more happy days at the park and playing and doing things you want to do with full energy. How's that sound? He's like, yeah. So strategy number four, promises should not be broken. And I think this is something, and it's not intentional by parents, something that uh, parents have challenges with. Do not make promises to your children if you cannot keep them. This can be quite a challenge as situations may change. However, try and make an effort uh, Try and make an effort as breaking promises could be devastating to your relationship with your child. If you say you're going to watch a soccer game on the weekend, make sure that you do just that. Because if you don't, the next time you promise something, they will doubt if you're really serious about it. If it seems that you might not be able to keep your promise, tell your child in advance and explain why. Real simple concept, not always easy to do. We don't want to face or disappoint our children, but ultimately they're going to be disappointed anyway. So what I read here is, uh, you know, promises shouldn't be broken, but if they must be broken, have very clear communication so that they have an understanding. Um, and just because there was an opportunity now doesn't mean we can't do it going forward, right? So mommy or daddy is breaking this promise, uh, and I really don't want to. This is the reason. But can we reschedule? Can we do it at a later date? Can we put something in place of it if that isn't possible? Um, and, and really try to follow through at some level so that they understand. 
Strategy number five. This is something that we talk about in our house quite often. Uh, there's a reminder on our refrigerator. We actually have a contract. Maybe I'll share that in a future uh, episode uh, that both my wife and I signed uh, with each other of how we wanted a parent. So strategy number five is this, threats. If your child did something wrong and you threaten him that you won't have TV for a week, make sure that you implement what you say. Um, this is not the case. Uh, this is not a case of marital law. It's just a case of sticking to your word. Amazingly, this builds trust with your child. So, so I'll share this story now and I was going to share it at the end. We have two more strategies, but at school, we got a text message through an app that we communicate with the teachers and it said that our son had five unfinished uh, classwork assignments that, and if he didn't do it by the end of the week, he wouldn't be able to participate in this celebration at school that they do quarterly. Uh, so when he came home, I talked to him about it and I said, what's going on? He goes, yeah, I, I know that uh, she sent you a message and dad, I got three of the five done today. I said, okay, fantastic. When are you going to do the next ones? And this was on a Tuesday. So he had Wednesday and Thursday and part of Friday to do it as the celebration was Friday afternoon. I said, um, first of all, I don't appreciate getting messages from your teacher that you're not doing your work. I, we shouldn't have to remind you, you know, you need to do it. He goes, I'll get it done tomorrow. So the next day he comes home. I said, did you take care of your work? He says, ah, kind of. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Are you going to the celebration on Friday? He goes, probably. Now, I'm going to preface this with, I've had to explain to him that he's, he's asked me in the past, why is it that I do my work and I do all my stuff? And I do all the right things. And then everybody goes to the celebration anyway, even kids who didn't do their stuff. And I have explained to him in the past, I said, it doesn't matter to me what the other kids do or do not do or how the teachers implement their strategy their, or their consequences or any of that. It doesn't matter to daddy. This is what I explained to him then. I said, listen, if you don't do the work and you aren't responsible for you, I will put a phone call into the teacher and say, Christian's not allowed to go. And he was like, his eyes got big. And I talked to his teacher, so he knows. I said, so it's not a matter of what everybody else is doing. It's about a matter of what you're doing and if you're doing the right thing. And I can't control what the teachers do, but you know at home, if I tell you I'm going to do something, it gets done, right? And he's like, yes. I said, so just know I'll put in that phone call and you will not get to go to the celebration because right now I feel like you're testing the school system. And that's fine. You could test the school system, but do not test daddy because you will lose. So the next day he came home and he's like, everything's taken care of, dad. I said, fantastic. I feel good about that. So. Do you want to be the dad you wish you had? If so, go get my free book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had at BeTheDadYouWishYouHad.com. Inside, you'll find my most effective 40 tips to quickly and easily transform yourself into the ideal dad. Go to be the dad you wish you had.com now and get it while it's free.